Are you a fan of vampires? Then check out Vlada a Dracula Tale on Facebook and on Twitter for more information about an exciting new graphic novel coming soon from me and artist Ken Hunt. We take the entire story of Dracula and we gender swap the cast. This is not your traditional graphic novel. It's very akin to the Bernie Wrightson Frankenstein that you may have seen or read about. Amazing black and white illustrations and covers by Ken Hunt, as well as by Tim Vigil, Karen Nicole, and many others contributing to this amazing project. Keep an eye on the Vlada A Dracula Tale Facebook and Twitter for more information about the exciting Kickstarter coming late October. In the shadows you can hear the sound The rumble of all haunted hounds Cries the banshee, a terror of the wind go You also can't see if there's nowhere to go It's the creature Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Supernatural Creatures and Lore podcast, a podcast dedicated to all the monsters, mythologies, and creatures that go bump in the night on the TV series Supernatural, which is coming to an end as they are starting the seven final episodes about a week from the time that we're recording this. I am your host, Dr. Chris. And I'm Mel Heflin, his co-host. And tonight we're talking about Chris Angel is a douchebag, and magicians will be the topic of the episode. And Mel has the plot synopsis for us. Chris Angel is a Douchebag, Season 4, Episode 12. The Winchester brothers start investigating magicians who seem to be using black magic. After several people die in ways that they recall the magician's stage illusions, the original air date was January 22nd, 2009. So this episode's title refers to, of course, the famous magician who a lot of people have disliked, but he is like one of the top 10 highest paid magicians on the planet. Um, if you go by magicians in Forbes magazine as of 2018, David Copperfield still makes $61 million a year, which is like, I guess it's got to be all in Vegas because I don't see David Copperfield performing on television as much as he was in the 80s. Penn and Teller make $30 million. Chris Angel is the third highest paid magician at $16 million a year, followed by David Blaine, The Illusionist, and a couple people I've never heard of, Michael Carbonero and Darren Brown. Have you it ever seen so any of these people in person? Never in person, but I remember as a young girl when, you know, uh, Chris Angel came out and it was like such a big deal because of his um, stage presence, I guess we'll call it. I remember thinking, wow, that's amazing. And then I grew up and researched this episode recently. And like, I watched his top five death defying tricks, one of which is being lit on fire. And I'm like, that's not amazing. Like, I've even done that. Like, come on. It really blows me away how really kind of lame he is. Gene asks the question, what a douchebag. Oh, Gene says, uh, sorry, he doesn't ask a question. He says, uh, what a douchebag. Sam replies, that's Jeb Dexter. Gene says, I don't even know what to, uh, I don't even want to know how you know that. Sam says, he's famous, kind of. For what? Douchebaggery? <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a poster in the, <laughs> excuse me, there's a poster in the episode for the great uh, Destertini, Mystery from the Beyond, The Table of Death, The Swords of Redemption, The Great Escape. Don't miss the most ex- the most don't miss this mysterious exotic exhibition 
Um, the Magic of Public Domain. Um, Mary Ann Liu, the graphic designer, talks about the whole Magic episode was fun to do. We did posters based on images of Magic acts of the 30s, and those are all public domain images that we could use. I got photos from the actress and stuck them in, stuck them in and did color matching, picture matching, polarizing, and all the stuff. They were really fun to do because the original public domain posters were so beautiful. For Jeb Dexter, Lou moved from the past to the future. That poster of Jeb Dexter is one of the famous ones that I've ever done. I started off with the earth underneath him and then dropped into a background with lighting and all sorts of science fiction-y type things. Um, probably the most famous magician on the list of people I'm familiar with is David Copperfield. And, uh, I mean, I've seen him perform, of course, the famous, you know, made the Statue of Liberty disappear type of thing. That would be something to see in real life. Um, the uh, I've interviewed one magician before who unfortunately wasn't able to come on the show with us, uh, Misty Lee, who's also an American voiceover actress, and she's married to Paul Dini, the uh, creator of Harley Quinn and uh, animator from the sorry writer for the animated series Batman, the animated series, and Tiny Toon Adventures. And she came on my show uh, a few years ago, and then I got her husband on the show. Um, and she still does uh, cute little magic tricks on uh, her uh, fan page online. Um, all sorts of interesting little um, sleight of hand magic tricks. Okay, so um, in researching magic tricks, it seems like escapism is the big thing when it comes to magic tricks. And I just honestly don't get it. I'm wondering if you can explain it to me. I don't. I uh, I I have very limited knowledge in in terms of magic. Um, I did have a chance to uh, meet a magician who was like retired, and his wife mm-hmm. came into the store I was working at, and she said that um, my husband is like this retired magician. I was like, oh, who is he? And she's like, she used to do all these like magic tricks and all these things. But we he had to retire because he had gotten cancer, and nobody mm-hmm. has taken up um, his uh, his craft. He has a warehouse full of magic devices and magic tricks and magic um, um, ornaments and, and, and contraptions and, 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 and uh, very expensive, you know, stage props and things like that. But nobody, nobody wants it. Um, our son, you know, he went into business for himself and doesn't want to pursue magic. And we don't know what to do with it. I mean, he's, he's like, he's kind of hoping that somebody will come along and make him a great offer. And I told this to a couple of magicians I met years later after this, and they were like, oh, I would have done everything Aww. in my power to go to Massachusetts to buy that. Do you know anything else about him? Like, I don't only met him the one time, and he gave me a card, but I don't know idea where that card is. It's long gone. So, uh, but in terms of like disappearing acts, I don't know. Again, I've not, I've never studied magic. Um, it's kind of been fascinating, but it looks like it would just be a lot of hard work I could not do. Yeah, I have to imagine that it's very much like a science, and there's like very specific mechanics behind it, just like anything else. Did you ever appear in any movies with magic? Like a magician? Um, no magician type magic, no. Gotcha. The some of the best uh, magic acts of all time. The number one being sawing a woman in half. Why a woman? Because women look sexy on stage in a bunny outfit, I guess. Um, everyone has seen or at least heard of a magician sawing a woman in half, and everyone has their own little theory on how it works. But the truth is, is that the methods of the trick vary considerably, which has led to some of the greatest versions of the illusion emerging today. One of the most, uh, one of the personal favorites of the author of the article um, is performed by rock star magician Chris Angel, where there are no funny boxes or giant saws, just the magician and a spectator. Again, referring to Chris Angel. Um, there's also the roller coaster escape, which I'm not familiar with. Oh man, this website has a lot of freaking pop up crap. 
Uh, award-winning magician Lance Burton, once uh, while shackled and handcuffed to a roller coaster tracks, while the roller coaster is zooming along, has to pick the locks and escape before he's a little bit more than roadkill. The only thing I can think of to make the most dangerous roller coaster was if it was on fire. Um, the sword cabinet. Huh. The sword cabinet is another great classic um, magician trick. The assistant climbs into a tiny box, which is then sealed shut. The magician then proceeds to thrust swords through every conceivable angle, leaving no apparent room to hide. The swords are then removed, and the assistant reveals himself unharmed. But it is still a trick. Not unlike the sawing and half illusion, there were many versions of this trick in history. Some of these versions do rely purely on calculated sword thrust and contortionist assistance, so that danger can be really depend on who is performing it. There have been many injuries over the years, and in the clip of love, Hans Moretta, uh, Moretti, performance in this trick in a cardboard box. The straight jacket. Straight jacket involves usually dislocating of one so- shoulder in order to escape out of it with a key hidden in the mouth. Um, I think when people think of magicians, they always refer to like Harry Houdini because he was the one who really made it prominent. Of course, Harry Houdini was actually extremely fascinating. Um, after he became famous, of course, would actively go after and sue every magician that copied him. Wow, that sounds like a douchebag. <laughs> I know. That sounds like a real asshole. Um, <laughs> My favorite little tidbit about Harry Houdini probably is that in many of his great escapes, he would first be stripped nude and searched. I, I think that's hilarious that they would strip him nude on stage and search him for keys. He actually also got into like when like seances were com- becoming real big. Right. He really got into that real hard. And he actually did a famous seance in the Winchester Mystery House trying to summon, or what have you, uh, Mary Winchester's husband. And I've actually been in that tower called the Witch's Cap or the Witch's Tower uh-huh. where the seance took place. I thought that was majorly cool. And I was at the time when I was learning this during the tour, I was like, wait a minute. I thought Harry Houdini was a mu- uh, not musician. A magician. <laughs> it just didn't make any sense to me. And then, uh, yeah, finding out that, you know, he was debunking all other of the fake spiritualists to, to basically give himself credit as a real one because people couldn't debunk him. I don't know. It, it sounds like he's the real douchebag back in the day. Uh, he also made several movies. I believe it was six. He made six movies. Before he quit acting because it didn't bring in enough money. And he had one of the, um, uh, they call it one of history's strangest friendships of all. Harry Houdini was friends with Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, um, who was the creator of Sherlock Holmes. Huh. As well as many science fiction and fantasy mystery novels. But Sherlock Holmes is probably the one thing Sir Arthur Conan Doyle is most famous for creating. Doyle was a staunch believer in the communicating with the spirit world, and when Harry Houdini was uh, highly critical of spiritualism and a medium's use of magic to trick people into concerning their deceased lovers, uh, Doyle um, had become interested in it in the 18, late 1800s and joined the British Society for Psychic Research. In fact, the Fox Network in 2016 had a TV series where the two of them team up with a hot female detective cop. You know, the only one on the force back then because females weren't really cops uh, to solve crimes. 
1894, he was one of the members of the committee sent to investigate a haunted house. The owner had claimed he had heard mysterious noises like a chain being dragged across a wooden floor accompanied with sounds of tormented moaning. Doyle did hear something, probably not unusual in a creaking English manner, but was not persuaded by the sounds that came from a supernatural source. But when later the body of a 10-year-old child was found buried in the garden, Doyle became convinced that he indeed witnessed the psychic event. He became completely sold on spiritualism when his son, who had died during World War I, communicated him from beyond the grave, so Doyle claimed. In 1920, he met Houdini, and the strange friendship began. When Conan Doyle came to America in 1922 to lecture on spiritualism, Houdini invited his friend to the annual meeting of the Society of American Magicians, which I didn't know was a thing back then, but we can definitely look up. Um, and that is where their friendship uh, began. Their friendship only lasted for a few years because they were not, they got into a fight. Um, one of the biggest douchebags in the magic industry is Val Valentino. Do you know who this guy is? I don't. I've never heard of him. On the Fox Network, once again, he had a special called The Masked Magician, where he would basically reveal the secrets behind magic tricks. Oh, that's not cool. Yeah, that's you, like a, against magician code. Something like that, but uh, that is exactly what it is. Um he uh, did it in like it was a like a weekly TV series ran for like uh, a few seasons. Oh, I have some um, magic tricks that people die from. Sure, go ahead, and then we'll get into uh, who was in the episode, like um, certain famous star. Okay, all right. So I've got these deadly magic tricks and how the I believe it's six most famous magicians died. All right, so Madame Delinsky died 1820. She was the wife of a Polish magician that had a routine where she would face a firing squad of six soldiers. Back in the early 19th century, rifles were loaded by biting open a cartridge and pouring in the gunpowder. Ouch. And then jamming, I know, and then jamming the rest of the cartridge down into the barrel with a ramrod. Delinsky versions version of the trip. Ramrod just sounds soldiers. dirty the way you say it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go on. In Delinsky's version of this magic trick, the soldiers were shills, paid, and secretly instructed to bite away the whole bullet and load in the blank. But in the fatal per- performance in Germany before a royal court, one of the riflemen apparently got nervous by being on stage and reverted back to his usual way of loading the gun instead of the the trick way when the bullet hit madame delinsky in the abdomen several audience members actually fainted she died two days later and according to the tragedy she was also pregnant at the time her husband was driven mad at the shock oh apparently that's like one of the the big tricks that they used to do the most famous tricks was like a firing squad and surviving. Like, yeah, justifying, but I don't think that I would enjoy watching that. Didn't Houdini die mysteriously? Isn't um, there some rumor about that? Didn't some... he used to take, like, cannonballs to the gut, or he would challenge people that, like, anybody could punch him in the gut and he would survive, like, no big deal? I think he actually died of, like, paralysis or something? I'm not sure. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Playing Russian roulette is not a magic trick. I don't think it is, and that's just dangerous and stupid. Yeah. Escaping from a crane yeah. is not a magic trick either. I don't think it's considered like extreme body disfigurement and horror 
or putting yourself in extreme dangers is a magic trick. Did you ever see the movie the uh, the wonderful the incredible Burt Wonderstone with um, Steve Carell? I have not. Oh, Steve Carell is in a movie. He plays like a douche. He plays a magician with um with Steve Buscemi. They grew up together. Um, they were like Siegfried and Roy. They were not gay, but they were like best of friends. Um, and they were like a huge act or whatever. They started out as being like outcasts in school. Then they started doing magic together. Then became more popular. And then they just exploded. Then of course, a Jim Carrey's character comes along. And he's like the Chris Angel character. He's very like a, he's he's just doing all this like body horror stuff or whatever, or like you know holding his urine for forty eight hours or something like that. You know things like that or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's drawing their crowd away from them. And um, uh, Tony Soprano actor, what's his name? Um, James Gandolfini. Um, tells them that you know their their show's like over, so that he becomes like one decides to go away. What they they their team breaks up, and Steve Carell um, is basically down on his luck, and he has to rebuild his career. Huh. Yeah, it was a comedy. A lot of people don't like it. I thought it was funny. So, what other crazy dangerous magic tricks are there that you know of? Well, here's number two. Arnold Bach died 1840. Uh, as long as there have been magicians, there has been skeptical audience members, of course. Unfortunately, in Buck's case, he picked up one such troublemaker as a volunteer to load a bullet into a gun. Along with the bullet, which was a blank, the volunteer dropped some nails into the barrel and then fired. The sharp end of the buckshot was fatal for Buck. How uh, ironic being named Buck. Uh, funny. Yeah. I guess it's not just other magicians you have to look out for it's the douchebag audience members as well maybe um in this episode we also have uh a couple key actors one of which is barry boswick best known for being on the um uh overrated rocky horror picture show yes i said it i'm sorry but uh (laughs) he was also the mayor of new york city in the michael j fox 90s comedy sitcom spin city which i really love and has never been put on dvd um, but his his career still goes on today. I mean, in 2021, he is still acting. A lot of stuff or whatever I never watch. A lot of it's like directed DVD or stuff I've just never heard of. Um, he's on Sherlock by by don't by M Watson, but it's not the Sherlock like you think of with um, you know uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. This is some this is another version of Sherlock. Is is this a porno version? No. Why would he be in a porno? <laughs> I'm making a joke. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, but yeah, he is in a ton of stuff that I have just never heard of. Tales of Halloween. He's in that. I've seen that. But again, it just goes back to like stuff I've never heard of. Oh, he was in the Scorpion King Four Quest for Power. It's like, what are you doing, Barry Boswick? You're so much better than this. Um, <laughs> research. Oh, he's on eight episodes of Phineas and Ferb. He plays Grandpa. That's kind of funny. I didn't realize oh. that was him. Yeah, he plays Grandpa Fur, Grandpa, uh, you know, the the grandfather of the two. Um, but yeah, Spin City, 145 episodes. He's in FDR, American Badass. Did you ever see that? I haven't. I I saw a little bit of Spin City, but that was only because I had a major crush on Michael J. Fox. Oh, gotcha. Um, <laughs> and again, he's in stuff right now that I'm like, what is this? I just things I have never heard of. Bigger, Fatter, Liar, The Great Indoors, Diana and Devine Meet the Apocalypse, Inside the Extra Studio. Uh, he was on that for 28 episodes. It seemed like it only ran for one season. He's in The Land Before Time, X1V. What is X1V? Is that 15? No. X, 
one would be No, that's fourteen. Uh, that would be fourteen. That's fourteen. He plays Grandpa Longneck. <laughs> Seriously. Oh, uh, Barry Bostwick, you're just so much better than all everything that's listed on here. He's got such a range. Yeah, right, a range of garbage. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> it's just an <laughs> horrible crap. Oh my god, it's just such horrible crap that he's in. It's too bad because he plays Jay. He plays a magician in the episode that Sam and Dean um are thinking are connected to like the devil or something or something to do with you know, some type of bad crap. He doesn't know that it's happening either though. I'm so conflicted about his character because like he knows it's happening but he denies it because you know, he has faith in himself and everything. And then oh, it's it's so many twists and turns in this episode. You think it's the one best friend because the other best friend died. And right. it turns out that he faked his own death. It's so crazy. John Rubenstein plays his best friend, Charlie. Um, he uh, is still with us today and still acting today. Uh, played, uh, I remember him uh, recently in Sabrina. He played the lawyer, Daniel Webster. Oh, he played a really good character in that one. Yeah, he was the only he's the only man to ever defeat the devil, and that's why Sabrina hired him to defend her. Of course, it completely negates the whole point of him being on the show because she eventually signs her name in the devil's bible because she finds out she's the daughter of the devil. Uh, yeah, that that's another show that's got a lot of twists and turns. It's like why 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 set this whole like cute plot line up with devil Daniel Webster for her to turn around and find out, "Oh, wait, Okay. Um, he was also an angel for a little while. He was Linwood Morrow. Um, he was on 24. He was a secretary of state. He was in Barbershop. He was in Daybreak. He was in, um, again, he was on Supernatural. Uh, he was in The Wizards of Waverly Place, which I never watched. He was on Desperate Housewives, I which I never watched. He was on The Mentalist, which I never watched. He was on This Is Us, which I've never watched. <laughs> A lot of shows, apparently, I'm not watching, but I can't watch everything. It sounds like he likes to play a magician a lot. Apparently so. Um, or a wizard. Yeah, and then, of course, we have Richard Libentini, uh, who died, unfortunately, in 2016. He plays one of the other friends, uh, best known for being in uh, DuckTales, the movie. He was in Popeye. He was in Fletch. He was on Aquarius, which was the David Hasselhoff uh, TV series. Um, he was on Law and Order. Of course, who hasn't been in Law and Order? He was in Lethal Weapon 4. Uh, he was in The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. He was in The Adventures of Johnny Quest. He was on Murder, She Wrote. He was on Lois and Clark's The New Adventures of Superman. Um, but yeah, he had a pretty distinguished career before he passed away, going back to 1968. Wow. Yeah. And then we have, uh, the assistant, the lovely assistant in the episode, played by Amber Lewis. Uh, she was on Batwoman recently. And uh, pretty much it. Like, her first role was in Supernatural, and her last role was on Batwoman. She's got, like, stuff in the middle I've never seen before. But she plays the lovely assistant on stage. Huh. Yeah. And then, of course, Genevieve Padalecki returns as Ruby, who, of course, is, you know, Jensen Padale uh, Jared Padalecki's real-life wife. Uh, So Genevieve was in this episode? Yeah, she was Ruby. Remember at the end of the episode? Oh, at the okay, okay. Sorry. Not anything to like, do with I, what we're talking about, but she is in it. She does show up at the very end because he likes so, like, oh, I'm in. Let's let's do this because again, they're still doing the whole plot line where they have to stop the devil from rising. Richard Libertini, who plays Vernon, I'm trying to figure out exactly where to place him. He was also in Ducktales movie oh. or the TV series. Interesting. 
and the movie. Uh, some notes from the episode. We had some on-set magicians when we were doing Chris Angel as a douchebag, um, Jared reveals. They did a show here for us, and that was fun, and they showed uh, the guys how to do it. Barry Boswick took some sleight-of-hand lessons and stuff like that to learn car tricks so he could be a better performer for the episode. But the magicians weren't willing to share their biggest secrets, of course. Magicians protect their secrets. Um, that's their livelihood. So magical gags are a really hard thing to research, and we had to make the gags for the show and figure out how much we could make practically how much we wouldn't. We ended up having to do stuff like the table of death and cuts, which worked out fine. I think we had a real table of death lined up to where the guys would have come up here and done it for us, but the cost of bringing him up outweighed the cost of us building a vertible table of death. Thing is, those were real swords we used, and they were not rubber. Our table of death would have killed the actor if we weren't careful. Um, music wow. of the episode, by the way, is She Makes Me Fall Down by Baba. That's really cool that the magicians in the episode actually protected the secrets of the magicians despite needing to work around it for filming. I think the best thing about the episode was Barry Bostwick's hair. <laughs> it was quite fancy. It was quite fancy. That's all the notes I pretty much have here for the episode. It's hard to talk about magicians' tricks when I'm not a big expert in them, and there's not a lot of talk you can talk about because the secrets behind them have never been revealed. <clears throat> yeah. I I agree. I did, uh, as a kid, I watched some of those, like, little, here's how to do this trick. And there was a lot of fishing line involved. Oh, of course, yeah. So much work. Yeah. There was always, like, a magic shop in my local town. I remember there was a magic shop in um, a gaming store, like a card gaming store that would sell, like, magic cards and, like, you know, Warhammer 40K and Dungeons and Dragons books and things like that when I went to school, uh, private school in Waynesboro, Virginia. Guy had a little magic shop uh, set up in the corner, you know. As a kid, uh, I don't know if you remember, you should, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Right. Do you remember that magic shop that just kept appearing everywhere? I totally thought that I was going to run into situations like that as an adult. Oh, no. Um, no, that never occurred to me. Uh, yeah, it's really fun. Just like. And that's all the notes, like I said, I have for this episode of Supernatural Creatures and Lore. Uh, check us out on fa- on Facebook, join our group, Supernatural Creatures and Lore, and on our individual Twitters at ChristySAV and at Mel Heflin. We will... We, 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 we. Ha. Um, I'll be watching the new episode of Supernatural. Mel probably won't right away, but uh, it is ending, and uh, it's sad to see it go, but it's been on for like 15 years. I mean, what are you really going to do? Back. Yeah, no. Why? There's no reason to come back after being off the air after 15 It'll years. It went. <laughs> no, why? Everyone's like, oh, when are they going to bring it back? And it's like, that hasn't even ended yet. Stop this. <laughs> yeah, give it like a decade or two decades. Give it like 20 years. How about that? I'll give it five years. <laughs> why? I don't know. I it's hard for me to like. That's like that's like you know everyone's like oh bring friends back and I'm like why? Why? Just stop it. <laughs> no, Let things be canceled. Uh, I don't want Supernatural to come back. Just leave it ended for God's sakes. Those guys are going off to do other things. One's doing Texas Ranger and the other one's joining the boys. At least for a movie. No, we don't need Supernatural back. Fifteen years is it. <laughs> Absolutely not. It's like they could have gone into movies like years ago, but they didn't. It's like they tried to bring back the X-Files and how bad that was that. Oh, God. It was like, I can pick like five episodes out of the uh, 16 episodes of the X-Files that came back for. And it's like, that's it, you know? 
I'm 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 totally fine with Supernatural finally coming to an end or whatever. We'll always have the old episodes. We have tons of episodes to watch, so there's lots of good stuff out there. They could do other things. They could do comic books. You know, they could they can like they could do a they could do a video game, which would be which would be fantastic. I'm surprised in 15 years oh, they've never done that. a video game. That's the one thing people have always wondered about. Like, there's no supernatural video game. There's no supernatural action figures. There's like supernatural merchandise, but there's no real supernatural action figure line. You know. Yeah. So we'll be back in a couple of weeks with sex and violence covering sirens here on Supernatural Creatures and Lore. Bye. Bye, everybody. Dorgan Ramen is a restaurant in Ashland, Massachusetts. It serves traditional and authentic Japanese ramen, Thai noodle soups, and the best chicken wings in Metro West. Everything's done in-house from scratch, and they use only the highest quality products from small farms. Co-chef owners, Papanook and Alan McIntosh, combine their culinary skills with traditional Japanese cuisine to create an authentic, amazing flavor in every dish. Located at 1 West Union Street on Ashland, Massachusetts, their phone number is 508-309-3416. Or they can be located on Facebook at Dorgan Ramen Ashland and on their website as well www.dorganramen.com In the shadows you can hear the sound The rumble of all hundred hounds Cries of the banshee, a terror of the wind go You also can't see it